as I kind of went through it and I'm a geek on these things. Hi folks, what are we all drinking tonight? I have a bottle of Malbec called um, Estevez, which is from Chile. I had vodka tonic, there's none left. It's very sad. I have a prohibition lager called The Root of All Evil in honor of James choosing that course. Uh, and I, I had, uh, similar to Becca, a, a nice cider on the go. Um, the reason we're a bit down on drinks is we had a wonderful chat with uh, Mark, Lord Orange from The Herd. Um, you can hear that right at the end of the show. Um, uh, and he was wonderful and spoke to us for ages. And yeah, really enjoyed that conversation. We all did, um, but we all drunk um, quite a bit. So James may be a bit more tiddled and a bit further through his Malbec and Becca may not be able to roll her eyes quite as much as, uh, as the soberness sets in as we record this bit now. Um, so James, what have we got this week to look forward to? So Steve, this week's Herd Summer Racing League event is six laps of the Champs-Élysées route in Paris. The route is 43.2 kilometres in length and there's 249 metres of climbing. We are using the primes for the fastest sprint on all six laps, and there are also primes for the fastest lap times on the first five laps. You also get bonus points at the end of a race for your finishing position. It is horrible. <laughs> yeah, we've all done this um, tonight. Oh, Becca, you didn't do it, did you? Becca's not done it tonight. We all did it tonight in race one. Um, so good luck to those who are just going out in race two as we record this at the moment. Um, it's, let, let's go through the lap. It's a lot quicker than talking about uh, going through the lap. There's basically two or three points on this course, aren't there? You, you, you cross the start-finish line, um, and then you go up the hill. And it is quite a hill. This surprised me. I, watching this on the road, um, I've, I, it, before Swift introduced Paris, like most people, I'd probably seen the, the finishing stage of the Tour de France, and it, it looks pretty flat. And then you do it on Swift, you're like, who put this hill here? Um, I, I had no idea there was a hill there at all. Um, so it sort of varies between sort of three, four percent and zero. It's a bit of a kind of stepped hill, isn't it? Um, and you climb all the way to the Arc de Triomphe, and then right at the top, just before you hit the flat section as you go around the Arc de Triomphe, is the is the Lucette sprint, and that's where we'll record the primes. You then go downhill, and that's always nice, isn't it? I'll, I'll just agree with myself. It is always nice. To it is uh, <laughs> wonderful to go downhill, especially after that uphill. Um, there is a bit of an opportunity to rest there. Um, and then you, you go around uh, the, uh, I think it's the Tuileries, it's the garden, but where the Louvre is, um, and you go through the tunnel, and everyone just likes a bit of a kick out of the tunnel because, you know, why not? There's a bit of a hill there. Um, and then you're back on, onto the flat through the uh, Place de la Concorde and to the start-finish line. So quite, quite a straightforward lap, this one, but time six. Um, let's start with what bike we ride because we know we like to discuss which bikes we choose. Uh, obviously, I'm on the Pink Tron. Uh, anyone dissenting from Tron on this one? Pink Tron. So I rode the Pink Tron, but the, the Venge and the disc wheel set is a perfectly valid option, too. I will be going Venge and Rainbow Disc Wheels tomorrow. Oh, interesting. Why is that, Becca? Because I need every second I can get racing with. So, so, but the Pink Tron makes you faster. <laughs> Genuinely, this is a, a kind of tactic that's discussed. So you are playing to your weaknesses on this course. So light, lighter rider, awesome on hills, not as many watts on the flat. So you want every bit of flat speed you're getting, I'm guessing. It's, it's what's behind that bike choice. Yeah, all of it. Cool. Um, and just to, to advance Science Corner, um, which we obviously would feature every week on the stream when people could hear us um Marianne and i um did some science on the course today uh raced the orange tron versus the pink tron and and viewers of the stream will know that the pink tron is the fastest of all trons except if you're dutch um and Marianne and, and i tied on an orange tron versus pink tron so we proved with science that the science is valid um so yes pink trons continue to be fastest trons except if you're dutch and you're riding the orange tron um Craig, let's go to let's go to your tactic. What were we going to call your tactics area, Craig? Uh, Craig's uh, I, tactics tent or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, so this one this week got uh, turned into uh, Operation Moosehead Shenanigans, but uh, we uh, we had a pretty good time. So I had an idea. Um, I, I wanted to describe it, and uh, I wanted to try it before I described it. So hence me doing race one, which I don't normally do. 
Um, so we got a group of the bees together and uh, the idea was because of James's uh, wonderful idea of introducing the uh, lap primes as well Stupid as uh, the sprint primes, the root of all evil. Um, we, uh, it, it kind of turns into a zero sum game where if you, if you sprint for the line on one lap, then you've started your clock earlier for the next lap, except for the lead in. So that was the chance to start my clock after everybody else's. Um, so we got a group to do it and, uh, kind of said, okay, we'll all work together and get back on before the sprint hopefully. And if not, we'll just keep working and get back on. So we did get back on for the sprint. Um, and uh, so the first lap prime was just a list of herd, 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 herd that were uh, all, uh, th th that were all participating in our uh, shenanigan. So this, uh, it, it seemed to work pretty well um, it, for, for me overall in the race. Uh, my race was completely uh, overhauled by uh, dropping my chain on the second sprint. But uh, other than that, uh, no, it, it was a, a perfectly valid uh, tactic, I think. Um, so then I sat in with, uh, with Steve and Marilyn and, uh, and did some sprints. Um, and then the, the A's came by. So I hooked on with the lead A group, um, got one really fast lap and really good sprint having uh, people to draft in. And so I kind of had my primary tactic. So my intent had been to, to pull that tactic, to get a few extra points on the lap times um, and then play it honest, hit every sprint hard, stay with the lead group with the B's. Um, I, I, I had a mechanical and that didn't work. Uh, honestly, I think I should have pulled the audible earlier and uh, deliberately dropped back to ride with the A group uh, probably a lap or two earlier than I did. So that was, uh, anyway, that, that was my lap and a couple of options on tactics to, uh, to either uh, pick up the, uh, the group, the category above when they come by for a lap or two, if you can, or at least for the, try to time it to, to hit the sprint with their draft or, uh, and that, that was it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's just being devious, isn't it? This was good fun. Um, so last week we talked about the, the, the best tactic for most third summer racing league races will be hammer the primes. Primes are two thirds of the points available. GC position is one third of the points. So there's much more to be gained in doing the primes really well than there is in not doing the primes so well, but finishing higher up the GC, which I painfully learned last summer. Um, and on this one, James, the crafty man that he is, stupid James, heard DS and all around nice guy, had decided to make one third of the primes effectively the new set sprint. And because there isn't another sprint point at Paris, I think I think Maryline suggested this uh, in one of our group chats. But anyway, the suggestion was made that the lap time around the course became another set of the third of the primes. And this gave us the opportunity to, to basically start, as you say, start our clocks slightly later for the first lap. Um, so we started about five seconds off the main bunch as they went through and we caught them up on the climb. And actually, I think the group element of this worked really, really well. So as somebody who was just going to get dropped on that climb anyway, um, because I'm a shit bee, um, I, I actually found it having been off. Uh, I've got a lot of experience of being off the back of groups and I know how hard it is to get back on again. And because there were a bunch of you all working, you basically all drafted each other back up to the group. Um, and then everyone went nuts on the sprint at the top and that's where I got dropped. So if I was a bit, 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 bit of a better B and uh, Gavine's a good example of this kind of good, good mid ranking B, he finished, I think, second or third in the primes for lap one because he'd used this tactic. He would managed to stay with the front group up the climb and then came around and, and had this kind of five second effectively time bonus um, for uh, for starting his lap slightly slightly later effectively in the race than the the front group had so hopefully and hopefully we annoyed dirt who we know turn up in in great uh, numbers to try and win the races as well dirt dirt didn't do particularly well in race one um there there were some big names mcafee um who finished actually as low as 30th place and and if you count to 30 it takes quite a while um especially for someone who's only used to counting with one hand um 
so certainly some surprises there um but dirt were not the be all and end all that that we were assured that they would be dominating um, the first race of this series so (laughs) certainly interesting developments on race one so <laughs> let's let's step away from the dirt shenanigans before uh, James starts making up songs about them, um, as has happened about various riders he dislikes in the past. Um, so the other the other tactic you mentioned, Craig, and this again will be one we come back to, and it's a valid one in most of the herd summer racing leagues. If you want to hammer the primes, it's best to do it in the draft. Um, because if it's very hard to do it as a solo rider as quick as you would do in the draft, um, even with four or five riders. So uh, we formed a group. Um, we did quite well in the primes. We think we've boosted ourselves at the primes. Marilyn and, and I were sprinting for loose set sprint most times. Gavin was as well. So as a group, if you're all sprinting together, kind of you'll all sprint a little bit quicker because of the draft. Um, and also if that group happens to be a category of rider that's stronger than you, so if you're a D and the C's come by and you can hop on the C train through the sprint point, you're going to do a bit better. So valid tactic is to, if you're dropped by your bunch, is there a slightly quicker bunch behind you that you can time when you kind of hang on to them and put that kind of one to five minute effort in to get you over a prime section and, and, and maybe beat some of the folks that are higher in the GC above you. Having heard all this, Becca, what are you going to try when you do this race on, on your venge? I don't really have the option of waiting for a faster group to go through because there won't be one. Um, I may see if some of my uh, recruited herd members for tomorrow's A race will um, hang off the back with me so that at least we can get first lap primes. But with the pace of the A's, I don't know whether you'd get back on or be able to have the legs to basically hang on for the next lap or not. So... Uh... Have to see what they think. Well, I look forward to seeing how that goes, really. And, and there is, you could get really devious. We were, uh, we were chatting with Mark about this, and you could try and do this as a solo rider to get maximum benefit for yourself. But, you know, where would the fun be in that? Um, I'm actually going to, I'm going to kick off our usual what's annoyed us about Swift section with something that made me really happy about Swift today. And then I'm going to come to the annoying stuff. Um, uh, I think we've all seen and heard Facebook page how, how Chris looks at Nutella. Um, and tonight made me look at Zwift in a similar way. Um, there, I've never seen so many blue and green herd shirts together on a ride, and then to have a bunch of us that all had a shared common objective. Discord was really busy. There was loads of chatter in there. I, it didn't work for most of us, but it was a really fun thing that we tried. We ended up riding together, and for me, the, the real strength of Zwift um, and I'll come to this in the things that annoys me about Zwift, is the kind of social element. It was something that had been put together in the Facebook group. We chatted about it on Discord. We executed it in-game, and everyone had fun doing it. Loads of us didn't benefit, but it was just a fun thing to try, and it was a really nice community feel to it. So that's something that I liked about Zwift. But I think uh, let's let's go around the group, and what, what's annoyed us about Zwift this week? Knowing what is likely to come up with Craig, um, I'm going to say Steamroller. Um, so for anyone who raced in a Swift Racing League um, on Tuesday will have known about the, the power-up lottery. Um, if you got a steamroller power-up, um, you, w- you were able to do pretty well up the, uh, the, the gravel climb. If you didn't get the steamroller power-up, you're in all kinds of bother. So that is my thing that annoyed me about Zwift. How, I would like to say one thing that has made me happy about Zwift. Um, from an event organizer point of view, when you're scheduling events and you have a multi-category event, you have to choose a route for every single category. Um, Zwift have made a change this week that means that instead of, instead of um, setting 76 categories, um, I now only need to do 19 because I can do all of them at the same time. Hooray. Becca. Hooray. So <laughs> I'm oh, going to jump in you on you uh, the, th- the thing that has annoyed me the most. And the thing that has annoyed me the most is actually the people complaining about the steamroller power up. So yes, it was, it was mayhem. Um, I think people are overestimating the amount of mayhem that was actually caused by the power up because people were attacking on the climb, which is already a wonderful place to attack um, at when they had the power up and they were not attacking as hard when they did not. Um, so it, it was powerful, but it was powerful because the, that one spot in the game is the only spot in the game that is that powerful for that power up. So the calls to 
make it less duration or less effect, I, th I think are overblown because it's only going to come up on that course. Um, and really, if they did nerf it or uh, reduce its effect, it would become pretty much useless anywhere else in the game. So that's the thing that has annoyed me. The thing that I love is that Zwift Racing League threw the power up in there. So we had the steamroller and it did cause mayhem. It was fun. It was, you weren't sure what was going to happen. I didn't even realize on the first lap when I didn't have one, what the effect was. Um, I, I, I found it hard to stay with people up the hill, but um, I, I was able to get past most of them by the end of the sprint. Second lap, I had it, and I was just looking around after I got up the hill. I'm like, where did everybody go? Um, so, yeah, it, it was powerful. It, it did change the race, but it made the game fun. So, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think also um, people have got themselves very, very upset about a non-standard power-up, which is not going to feature in very many races at all. Well, I think that's part of the reason people got upset. I think for me, it's a combination of a course that isn't raced terribly often. So if you said to people, where are all the attacks going to happen on Innsbruck Ring? Everyone will say leg snapper. What power-up do you want? Everyone will say feather. And on this one... People weren't sure where that, like, oh, there's a sprint, there's this thing, like, where are the, the attacks going to happen? And I saw in some of the races, people were attacking through the marina with the steamroller, which is just really cool. Like, it's a new thing and it caught people out and you had to think on your feet. And I think if everyone did the same race again next week, people would be wise to the tactics. Um, and it does make me think, like, look, Eric does a great job on Swift Insider. Go, go, go. If you're going to get that upset about something, maybe do some research about it first and, and find out what's going to be in the race. If you're like me and you just turn up and, have a bit of fun. Just fun. It was a new power-up. I got to play with a new power-up. I, I remember a certain person who we won't name in the chat got so excited the first time they got the ghost, um, they managed to get dropped from the bunch as well. So uh, I can't I can't imagine who that would possibly have been. Um, I, 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 I suspect there was an awful lot of Googling Zwift steamroller before the race because I, 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 I've, ne I've never seen it before, so I, I was certainly having a look to see what it actually did. Becca, what's wound you up this week? Sorry, Becca. I loved the steamroller. It was a wonderful power-up. There's absolutely nothing to do with all the sprint points that I gave. So what's annoyed you about Zwift this week, Becca? Okay, this is divided on the forums and that, but um, Zwift on Zwift power are taking away people's weight and people's height. So from, I don't know when that implementing it but um from some point in the near future you're not going to be able to see when people have changed their weight or how tall they are or anything on swift power like you're used to they say this is to combat eating disorders which admittedly they may have a fair point there but they brought in absolutely nothing to uh, combat the fact that this is just going to be rife with people who are now 100 centimeters tall and weigh 45 kilos yeah i think oh, I, I my hope is that they track changes so somebody who was 100 kilos last week and is suddenly 80 kilos that that might get a flag but you're right it's, it's the easiest way to cheat in the game is just put the wrong weight in and, and i'll hold my hand up I, I cheated in a race a little while ago after i moved house i did a race at, at 66 kilos or 67 kilos i weighed myself i was 70 kilos like it's i'd put on weight i just hadn't weighed myself recently so fortunately i'm not winning so i don't think anyone cares but the what would the solution be to this like could could they uh, actually why not publish people's weight changes so yeah i don't need to see i completely support actually not like fat shaming and people feeling self-conscious and, and leading to eating disorders publishing kind of your gross weight but actually i could see if i could see let's call him james had a regular like minus two kilos a week pattern and that, that's going to look a bit shady isn't it I, that, so it's, I'm not finding out anything about his weight, but that maybe helps flag the person that, that's cheating by reducing down. Obviously, it's not going to stop you just entering when you when you join the game, ridiculously low weights and, and heights, unless they do some verification. But they're still fixing rowing, is what I hear. So. I, I think I think there's two points here. Um, I I, I, um, I absolutely and fundamentally agree that it's not great. Um, but if we look back to Herd Summer Racing League, there was one particular rider who would get grief every single race because he was exceptionally light, um, 
pretty powerful, especially for his size. Um, and that would raise comments every single race. And he would probably get a lot of it in the neck every single time. Um, all, also, we had um, a rider out of um, BRT um, who would also have his weight questioned quite frequently. Um, obviously, for those people, that's less than ideal. Um, when I initially saw this forum post, I did wonder if there was a legal precedent. Um, have Zwift been asked to do this, or have they decided to do it off their own back? I suspect it's probably the former. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I don't mind them doing it. Like, there's you if you look at how other things work, you can just have like you get you give your age when you enter the game, and it doesn't need to publish my exact age. It can just go, you're in this category of rider. And if someone really watches me and kind of sees when I tick over from age group one to age group two, they can work out how old I am. But I, I don't think people are really doing that. So yeah, I can I could see a kind of the reason for it. But as we I think that all of us are cynical about how are they going to verify. Yeah, and 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 I think it would be exceptionally easy for Zwift to put certain parameters in place that if they see someone who's dropped, say, five kilos in five weeks or 10 kilos in two months, um, just send them an email, go, yeah, well done, prove it. Yeah, but they're not going to do that, which is the problem. And the fact is the whole system is set up on a watts kilo basis. They've refused to introduce racing like real world racing where you get you start in cat four and you go up depending on whether you win or whether you lose. So having a whole racing system based on your watts per kilo and then taking away the ability to actually see what people weigh without actually doing anything to sort of, you know, deal with that situation leaves you with a bit of a problem. Also, it takes like two seconds to work out someone's weight from their watts per kilo. I, I, was, I was actually just about to say... Get rid of watts per kilo as well and you're just going to see watts? Who knows? Decker, I, I was literally just about to say that they, they publish your watts and they publish your watts a kilo. It's not difficult to work it out race to race. Yeah, and it's... Well, this this leads me onto my bugbear is things Swift does badly. Um, uh, uh, Swift itself. Um, you've heard me say this before, but there are so like today's ride was fantastic. Um, but it was organized on Facebook. We talked to each other on Discord. We then looked up the results on a website that's independent of the platform that I'm on. And I just think that like there are so many game mechanics that Zwift could learn from. And kind of steamroll is a controversial one. People make it like, is it like Mario Kart? When do I get my red shell? Like, I would love the red shell. I'd be shooting James's red hat with it all the time. But <laughs> like, when I say game mechanics, I don't mean things like power-ups and things like that. Although I think that for a podcast another time, why I think power-ups are really cool because it gives you some reality that you don't get in outdoors racing. It allows tactics. But game mechanics like actually everything being in the game, if I play Call of Duty, I chat to people on the platform. I don't have to set up another third-party app that allows me to chat. I don't then find out if I won my game by going to a website that I have to fire up, usually on a computer that I kind of have to close the program to do or I can't like immediately see. So there are so many things in Zwift that take me away from the game. Um, and the big thing about Swift is the community. So the fact that we're all on the Herd Facebook page is fantastic, but wouldn't it be even better if that was something that was organized through the club's function in Swift and kind of kept them there? And if if they do want to monetize, and, and let's face it, they, they probably will like through advertising, like they could make money that way, then they have to keep people on the platform. And it's just, um, and then if I think of kind of wider game mechanics, like how you suggest to people where they are, how do people learn the game? Like there is, there are levels in the game, but what do I get for levels other than kind of dressing my avatar? Like there could be a whole kind of training progress in Zwift. And we see loads of people going to Zwift Insider. We see going to other sites, listening to us to learn things in Zwift. Could you develop the game in a way? How many games do you play where you kind of have a tutorial and it explains how to do these things better? And that just doesn't exist on Zwift. And, and as I say, there are so many game mechanics that are in sensible design of computer games that they could transfer in that wouldn't make it like Mario Kart, but would just make it a better experience. And actually for them, probably keep people on the platform, give them opportunities to monetize um, beyond silly subscription things that they scared us all with and actually monetizing in, a, in other kind of paid advertising position ways because people are staying on the platform longer. But there we go. So yeah, my annoying thing about Zwift is Zwift itself, um, which is probably a great place to, to end on. Um, 
So thanks again, everyone, for joining me. This is where you awkwardly pause before saying thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, great awkward pause, Craig. And just a reminder, we've got a chat coming up next with Mark, Lord Orange, uh, talks to us about his Swift racing, his training, all sorts of wonderful things. Great chat. Please do listen to it um, if you enjoy that sort of thing. I have a can of full fat Coke. I'm spoiling myself. This is quite unusual. I, I should point out the reason why I drink Coke is I've been teetotal since 1987. Becca's barely been alive since 1987, so she's, she's automatically alive, impressed. By <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get the impression I'm like the old man at this table. Oh, I don't know. I yeah. think uh, James and I are probably chasing you quite hard. I don't know. I think Craig's I'm, I'm somewhere over, in the middle. I'm over 50. I'm over 50. Uh, James, you're, you're, you're rep representing the 40s, aren't you? Barely. See, I'm, I'm, older than, I'm older than James, Steve. Oh, blimey. Um, right, so... I'm, I'm, the, I'm the old man at the table. That's that taken care of. Yeah. So, Mark, thanks for joining us tonight. I think, first things first, you're known as Lord Orange. Why are you a Lord? Why are you the Lord of Orange? So, yeah, geez. Uh, the Orange thing goes back a long time and started as a joke. Uh, I, I could explain it in detail, but the long and the short was I bought a really bad car. And I decided if I was going to get it, I was going to get it in a stupid color. And it came in two really bad colors, a nasty shade of green and orange. And my daughter said, I said to my daughter, which color should I get? And she said, get the green one. So I ordered the orange one. <laughs> and she said, why did you ask me? I said, if you like the green, then green is cool. I said, I am your father. I am not cool. <laughs> and from that, it spawned. T-shirts, it, it spawned tape on bikes and suddenly it was wardrobe and everything and it just became, and then I say, when, when I joined uh, Zwift, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of an anti-Zwifter, but I'm sure you'll get to that. There's a story and I blogged about it. But when I joined, I decided I wasn't going to be myself. I just thought, I like orange. Uh, Gobby, which was my nickname, was taken. And I thought, oh, this is easy. Lord Orange, and then I mentor a group, so we have Team Orange. Hence, that's Baz, Baz, Hogs, and that all I mentor and coach. And so I'm just Lord Orange of Team Orange, basically. I may Brilliant. at some point just become Mark Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> and you're also an avid herd, fan of the herd, riding a lot of herd events as well, don't you? So uh, uh, great to have It was interesting. I, I mean, I the herd's fascinating because I joined Zwift and I was purely going to race. I wasn't even going to log my basic training on it. And I just, there was an opportunity. I just, it was just from being on it. I saw a couple of rides and I joined a couple, saw the, the conversational chat about discord. And it just turned out to be um, a good, honest banter. And I, I, I liked it. I like shit and giggles. So yeah, I, and it just became an easy way to rack up some miles without stressing because I'm I'm a very lazy trainer. Yeah, I'm quite happy just pottering along at 110 watts and just not really stressing it. So yeah. Cool. I've encouraged the others to ask questions, but as ever, they're leaving me to to fill the awkward silences. So. You, you say you said uh, you said earlier you're not an avid Swifter and you're a bit anti-Swift and you're, you're not a strong trader. So what what brought you to Swift? What kept you there? Um, COVID, <laughs> like many it's, of us, I bet. It's it's a one word answer, right? I have, and anyone who's trained and I know Craig and I have been talking a little bit recently. Anyone who's ever trained, completely dedicated, driven driven by, I have a simple desire. I just like racing. And I've done the, I, I've risked an entire year on one race, two races that I push and I've just trained and I train, I race and I just, that's what I've done. Uh, when, when COVID came along and the thought of no racing, 
I sat and I, I can sit and I can stare at a dot on the wall. I did 50 kilometers running, looking at a dot on the wall on a treadmill. I, I can sit on the walk bike and look at, look at shapes with no music on and just look at the numbers. When I know fine well, I've got a race on the Thursday, I've got a race on the Saturday, I've got a race on the Sunday. With COVID and realizing I had nothing to target, I'd have sat on the walk bike doing 100 watts every day and done nothing at all. And I thought, I need something. A lot of people I know race on Zwift. And I thought, well, I'll take a punt. My first ride on Zwift lasted seven minutes. I hated it and got off and deleted the application. I thought, I can't do it. Uh, I reinstalled it about five days later. And I did my first race. I mean, I've, I've only been on Zwift just over a year. And I think I've raced 200 times. I've done 50-odd climbs up the Alp. I was a B-cat straight away when I joined, unlike a lot of people. And I'm going to say this, and it's bound to upset someone. I was brutal honest from the second I joined Zwift. I logged in. I put my correct weight in. I put my correct height in. And I went, I'm a B-cat. I know roughly what my power is. I did my first race. And my first race was dire. But I was definitely a B-cat. I put out some like 3.6, 3.7 watts a kilo in a 43-kilometer race. B-cat, no messing about, no soft tapping. And my only goal was to get from B to A as fast as possible. I have no desire to win races against, again, slightly uncomfortable statement, but Becca might understand it more. I don't see the point of winning when I know I'm better than everyone. And that goes to racing people my own age. That goes to anything. I don't enter races where I don't think there's any point. There's, there's no glory in winning when you already, you've won before you start, short of a technical. And so I just targeted power, 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 build the numbers, get to ACAP. I only won one race as a BCAP. And it was my last race as a B-cap. <laughs> that was it. That was my one win. And I was an A. And I spent my first five months in an A-cap having my ass kicked. Because I can't sprint. And I didn't have good one-minute puff. I, I thought a minute 10 was a good time up Innsbruck, up the leg snapper when I first went up it. I thought it was quite good. And then I was 25 seconds out the back of one climb and I went, now it's a 600 watt effort and it's 50 seconds. And if it's 54 seconds, it's like going for a walk. Mark, with yeah. your, um, with your um, outdoor, outdoor season, are we likely to see you racing on Zwift much over the summer? No. I, I have a feeling it's going to become, I'm going to lose the weekend series by the look of it. Because I, I don't, because I'm careful about how I race, and it's not just because I'm old. I've always been a level of planning and how I approach it. I, I'm going to try and do the Tuesday night. I'm quite keen to do the ZRL. And I'm actually going to soft tap my interval session that I, I coach at six on a Tuesday. And I'm going to soft tap that so I can race ZRL. I mean, I often race Tuesday morning and do intervals Tuesday night, race Thursday morning and do WRTL on. Thursday night so something has to be sacrificed so it's most likely going to be the Tuesday evening intervals because I want to race NRL because let's face it I came in and I engaged with you Craig I, I wanted to call the team team of minions and I, every week I don't race I feel guilty <laughs> because I should be there so my walk bike is back assuming my walk bike is back Tuesday I will ride it Tuesday lunchtime. And I've said, yes, I could race Tuesday night. Hopefully it comes back and it hasn't suddenly taken away 60 watts from my power. <laughs> and um, I'm okay. So I'm in Tuesday night and I'll be, I'll be there. But weekends, I'm, I'm racing tomorrow. I'm racing a week on Sunday. 
I'm racing two weeks on Saturday. And depending on the state of me means on a Saturday, I might want to risk the last running of the race. I'll be tired. But given you guys know my history of doing uh, herd races and then going off and doing another race afterwards, then if I can get away with it being on the same day, I'll sometimes risk it. What I don't like doing is back-to-back hard days very, very often because they, they take too much out of me. But I don't mind doing two races in the same day. What sort of racing are you doing outdoors? Uh, at the moment, just testing. Um, anything, and a couple of duathlons. So there's no road racing as such, Becca. So for now, and hence the new time trial bike, which is there on my rollers because I need to tweak it in the morning. And the, I don't think the seat is quite right. And I've got a time trial at two o'clock tomorrow afternoon and I haven't even ridden the bike. I, I rode it back to the car when it was finished today and that's it. And my trainers and um, wearing my trousers. So my morning session while you boys are um, watching some racing, I might watch if Victor's streaming and I'm going to sit here and spin my legs out on this and uh, set the position up. So, and then I do duathlon. So I'm an ex-runner. I was, a, I was a reasonable distance runner. So I've got some duathlons just to mix it up a little bit. And then as soon as I can crit race and road race, I'll be road racing as well. For those of you that aren't British, the, the more humble somebody is about how good they were at sport, the, the better they were. So we had the, I've had this with numerous sports teams. As soon as somebody turns up and goes, yeah, I'm pretty good at this, you're, like, mm, you're probably right. If someone goes, yeah, I, I played a bit and I, I did okay, they, 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 they probably were top level or something. So I don't know where you sit on that spectrum, Mark. But... Uh, uh, little little shout there. out to um, Matt DeFratis, who um, on, on, on Facebook um, stated he was um, a reasonable... Um, middle distance runner despite having run um run un, under a four minute mile and represented great britain yes prime example um i was um welsh ultra distance marathon champion uh i've medaled three times at the british duathlon age group duathlon championships uh, i've won marathons and i've got a 16 minute 5k pb which is not rocket fast, but considering I did that at 38, I, I played low-level semi-pro football and um, I coached and played international roller hockey. So Fairly average. But yeah. it, okay. it depends. The joke is, and, and Mr. DeFreitas will understand this, your standard depends where you stand in a line and who you compare yourself to. And therefore, I'm brutal for comparing myself and saying I'm average or reasonably okay because the guys I'm looking at are still 30 seconds up the road over 5K. I might beat them in a half marathon, though, because I'm strong, but therefore, I'm a solid runner. I'm a, I've got a sub-20-minute 10-mile time trial on the bike. It's okay. But actually, unless you're running low 18s on average courses, you're not that good. Yeah, I'm doing over 30 miles for 30 miles an hour for 20 minutes. But you're not that good if it's unless you're right, you know, 18s on average courses. It's just okay. <laughs> so you said and that's the dilemma. So you said when you first came to Zwift, you, your, your big focus was just on gaining power. And I think it sounds like a bit learning the game as well and, and figuring out like, hey, Innsbruck's not, I need this power on this climb. Not to. I tried um, not to learn the game. When, when I first joined, I didn't want to know. And um, I just wanted to race. And I rapidly realized that if I wanted to race, I had to learn the game. And hence I went from not to level 50 in 10 months. And I've got, I've got a bike garage, a bit like my bike garage at home. And obviously, I showed you my time trial bike, but let me give you a laugh. So you can see the bike behind the time trial bike. <laughs> uh, if I go that way, there's two there. There's another one over there. The two wardrobes are full of bike kit. That's all my repairs, shelves, 
as soon as I realised I had to, Zwift became the same as outdoor cycling. And that was that. I had to have every bike, every set of wheels. I did all the analysis on what was the best bike for this, what's the best bike for that, what wheels did I want here. And I just went, yep, 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 yep. And then I actually had to modify my training in the end to be competitive because, like I said, I can't sprint. And I can, but I can now hold enough power consistently that I can keep myself in races when you would get blown out because you just can't continually repeat 600 watt efforts. What, what did you do so, to yeah. build your power then, Mark? What, what was, what, what's the kind of, what was your process? You, you mentor people in training. What, what do you suggest to people? So as well? I, I'm a big, I, I'm, I, I know Craig, Craig's done a bit of running. So Craig will understand this. Speed work and speed work. Running marathon pace is not speed work. It's glorified tempo. You can run it for 26 miles. Therefore, when you hear people saying, oh, I did 15 minutes FTP times two, I go, that's not speed work. It's tempo. Speed work is five seconds, 15 seconds. 30 seconds off 30 seconds recovery at full gas and hanging like you're dying. It's a 90 second effort where you're trying to hold 500 watts and then having 90 seconds and doing it again. It's speed work is proper high intense, way, way. Never mind this. I did FTP. No, no, it's way above your threshold. It's 130% of FTP. It's, it's hanging. It's taste the blood in your mouth. And, um, it's proper speed work because if you can suddenly, it sounds silly, but if you can suddenly hold 400 watts for five minutes, it makes holding 300 watts for 10 minutes quite easy. And suddenly when you're racing, you ride along at 300 watts and Becker and Tim decide they're going to kick up a bloody hill like they do. You go, damn it. Okay, 600 watts, 15, 20 seconds. I'm off the back. I'll hold 430 watts. I know they're going to have to back off after the sprint. And I'm back in the game again. I'll go back at 300 watts. Tea and biscuits, chill out, recover, even though you're still riding four plus watts per kilo. Whereas if you train at just FTP, you get very good at riding at 300 watts. But if someone makes you do 500 watts, you can't then recover. And, and so that, approach of doing we do a lot of reps on things like volcano ccw and we'll do a full gas lap easy lap full gas and it is full gas you, you got you got like baz myself holgate chris pie there we're racing it is basically a one lap crit and it's bang 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 on the wheels trying to break each other down the straight sprint up the hill into the volcano kick for the line sort of stuff and then we will then do the hills individually. So you'll have recovery. There's an up section, full gas until it goes zero. And relax. There's an up section, full gas till it goes zero. And so you learn to respond those 10, 15 second efforts at 700 watts. Get a little bit of recovery and go again. And it's that sort of stuff. It's proper. We don't do, we don't do an effort longer than about six minutes on a Tuesday night. That's the longest effort we'll do is something like CTW or the Dutchie circuit. They're about the longest efforts you do. If you go to Paris, for example, you do the bottom section by um, what would be the Louvre. So you do that square at the bottom, full gas. You then recover down the hill and do the sprint. Then you go all the way around, do the Louvre at full gas, roll down the hill, do the sprint. And it's that's the thing. So the recoveries get mixed up. The length of the efforts get mixed up. The intensity is always very, very high. And it teaches you to go above threshold so you can then, when you ride at threshold, because you still have to do those thresholdy type sessions. When you ride at threshold, suddenly it becomes more relaxed. And then you discover, actually, the reason why your threshold feels relaxed is because it's no longer your threshold. Because <laughs> you suddenly do a race like... Um, Dolphin crit, you ride 340 watts for 27 minutes, and you go, Oh, FTP's gone up then. Sweet. 
and you reset all your markers again, don't you? And suddenly your threshold sessions all go up, your recovery, your zone two, suddenly you ride that little bit faster. But the big thing is, um, again, it's recovery days, easy days. I joked about the fact that I haven't had a rest day until today for 16 months. But I do proper zone one days where I sit at 110 watts. I might do two hours, three hours of training. But I've gone 110, 100, two watts a kilo maximum. So I do, I do the herd 1.5 ride and get dropped because they're doing 2.1. You know, and then they calm down and it's okay. But because they're generally quite good, they just get a bit excited off the start. Because <laughs> everyone seems to get excited off the start of everything. And it's that. It's having the confidence to ignore what's going on around you and just do your recovery. And people don't understand the difference between a zone two endurance ride and the recovery ride. And too many people's recovery rides are endurance rides. I do genuine zone one, 90 heart rate, 120 watt. All I'm really doing is passing time spinning my legs because I'm a training obsessive, really. I'm not training. I'm I'm watching the cycling on the telly. <laughs> it sounds like you make it wonderfully social as well. So I know probably all of us in the in the chat have have tried interval training programs, various training programs put together on Swift. And my my struggle, and I think James, you had a similar struggle recently as well, is you you kind of hit the wall of boredom in that yeah, I'm just sat here, I'm doing it until yeah, I can put Netflix on, I can put the cycling on the telly, like you say, Mark, but. Actually, if you said to me, turn up on a Tuesday to a training session with three of your mates, we'll do a meet-up around Volcano, and kind of here's the rules, if you like. So we'll do it's all this rules, pace, and, and then we smash it for this distance. That sounds fun. <laughs> so I have, I'm, I'm mentoring and coaching on Zwift about 16 people in my group that come and do, and anywhere between four and 16 of us will do intervals on a Tuesday night. And the standard is if you imagine the gold standard is Baz, myself, and the opposite end of it, we've got a couple of the girls are 1.5, 2 watts a kilo. They can train with us on the circuit because it's all about them. But what they actually have is the sound of the suffering of myself and Baz, and they suddenly realize it's not easy because there's an assumption sometimes that because you're fast, it's easy. No, no. The reason we're fast is because we're prepared to suffer just like you are. And so you might sit at the back and let them go off slightly ahead of you. And you then hammer the lap. You sit and you wait and you cheer them in at the end of that rep. And then you ride the recovery lap as a group and it's just chat. And you go at the pace of the slow person who needs a bit of recovery. And you ride around, and then you go, right, go again. And because of that, it becomes really inclusive. If someone finds it really hard to do the group, they do one hard effort, and they do two easy laps, or they do one easy lap while you guys ride an easy lap and do another hard lap. But you learn as a coach to gauge that and say to someone, you sound a little bit tired tonight, save your breath, just go easy, we'll pick you up again for the sprints. And sprints, sprints are fascinating. And again, you can get, you see it on Zwift. There are guys who are DCATs who have got FTPs of 185 and they weigh 100Ks, but they've got 15 second power of 1400 watts. And you do a sprint and they just batter you senseless. <laughs> and on a Tuesday night, we've got a girl in our group who she's about, she's a Cassie 2.7 what's a kilo, weighs like, like Becca, weighs like 60K, so a bit heavy compared to Becca. But for 15 seconds, she can put out 800 watts. And so you've got the boys are going, we're getting an ass kick in here. <laughs> because she goes, and she's explosive. It's not just that she can do it, she goes, boom, and she's gone. And of course, that brings her confidence up to try and hang on in the reps when you're doing the longer stuff. And so it builds that community. And um, one of the things that Zwift brought and the herd helped bring 
really was that whole community thing. I mean, I, I've done it. I've done the chain gangs with the boys. I've done Sunday meetups where you go and run 10 miles together and it's just shit and giggles. And that's missing quite often when you just follow an FTP builder. I've never done a workout on Zwift. I checked you've, off a product. You've, you've never... chosen the right. They're, they're fucking dull. Um, 100%. <laughs> so, um, I, I also I'm just... don't think they work fully because, because people, again, don't understand. A lot of the time, they don't understand recovery. And without a coach sometimes to explain it, and talk you through it. Most people will do a rep too easy and a recovery too hard. So they end up not going, you tell them to go full gas, but they think, well, I've got a train for an hour. So they hold back. When there's a, when there's a shouty bloke in an orange top <laughs> shouting at you because, because you're on it, because your, your power bar on the right hand side hasn't gone orange while you're going up the hill. There's no hiding place. And it makes you take the recovery because you're in pieces. It sounds really exciting, Mark, and I know we, we've had a lot of your time now, so I'm, I'm going to just wrap up with, with one last question, which is, it sounds great. Can, would you take more people? Do you want people to contact you, or, or do you contact them? Is it an exclusive club where... Uh, um, kind of... I, coach, I coach and mentor purely on reputation. I don't have a website. I have a real job, and people, people find me. Cool. So if people want to get in touch, just you're, you're in the herd, you know where you are. Brilliant. I'm in the herd. I'm on the Facebook pages. I, let's face it, I, I'm, I'm involved. I'm actively, um, I'm actively there. I, I, I will often give advice whether it's asked for or not, and I've <laughs> learned to not do that. I, I know sometimes when I want to shake my head, sometimes I just sit and shake my head and I don't write anything anymore because you sort of start to learn that people want you to they want you to say something but what they want you to tell you is that doing the right thing when you actually say you haven't got a scooby they then get upset and you've offended them by pointing out that they've not got a scoop so i've learned to just leave people unless they actually deliberately say what do you think mark well that's brilliant yeah, mark yeah. and um again thank you very much for your time we'll um we'll let you drop off and uh Hopefully people can connect you. I know you do quite a lot of the TTTs. You're in the herd events. So hopefully people see you about, give you a ride on, give you a wave, all those kind of things. Take care, boys. Go. Thanks, Mark. I'll catch you again. Bye Cheers, bye. Mark. Bye-bye.